You know, it's here at Caesarea Philippi where Jesus teaches his disciples and really thousands of years later reminds us of two things, who he is and who we are. You see, right here in this odd place, this dark place, Jesus reminds all of us this morning of who we are, that we are his church. Now, there's that word, right, this, this word we use regularly, church. But unfortunately for, for Christians, our theology of church has gone a little haywire because we, we think the church is a building or a location, right? When you think about Jesus, he didn't just come to die on a cross for our sins and resurrect to give us the victory. Yes, that was the central focus, but Jesus knew that if he had no one to carry the message of what he accomplished for people, the future would be dim. And so he created a movement in people's hearts, a movement in people's hearts that would scatter throughout the world and carry his message. He called it his church. We are that movement. We are the carriers of the greatest message in history. And at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus reminds us of what his church was designed for. You see, the church, us, this movement of people, was designed to walk into the mess. You see, it wasn't by accident that Jesus had this conversation with his disciples at Caesarea Philippi. It wasn't an accident that when they arrived at this location, they felt really uncomfortable. It wasn't an accident that Jesus picked the most evil, dark place in society because he was teaching his disciples and he was reminding us thousands of years later, this is why I came. I came to bring light into the darkness. And I want you to carry that same mantra and message into the hopeless places in your culture and in your cities. But unfortunately, here's what's happened to the church. We often forget that message. We become distracted, and rather than going to the darkness, we avoid it. We stay as far away as we can, and we stay in the coziness of our light. Jesus says, no, I came to bring light into the darkness. He reminds us as the church that we are here for the people in the strip clubs and the homeless shelters. We as the church are here for the kids in the orphanages and the foster care system. We are here for the abortion centers and the porn video stores. We're here for the people in divorce court and drug dealers and gangs and prisons. Jesus reminds us that we are supposed to, as the church, walk towards the darkness and bring the light. But unfortunately, over years, distractions... Church easily forgets that. We easily forget that. And here's what we do. We make God's church more about us than him. We make God's church more about pleasing us than rather carrying the commission he called us to. And that was true in Jesus' day. The religious leaders in Jesus' day often forgot that they were here for the darkness in people. And we see this in, in, in a story of a man's life named Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. 
You see, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And for some reason, Jesus decided to travel to his city to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. But Zacchaeus had a problem. I can relate to Zacchaeus' problem because he was kind of a short guy. Have you ever been a short guy in a large crowd of people trying to see the, like, the, the main person? It's hard. So Zacchaeus was smarter than I am. He decided he was going to climb a sycamore tree and get a good vantage point of Jesus. And through that journey, he gains the attention of Jesus. Look what it says. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. So Jesus does something a little bit socially awkward, right? He invites himself over to somebody else's house. And let's be honest, the people who usually do that are the people we don't want in our houses. Like, oh, what do you say to that? Well, Jesus does that to Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus is like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I want you to come to my house, Jesus. And look what it says. He's excited. It says, so he came down at once. He comes down from the tree, and he welcomes Jesus gladly. But not everybody was happy about this association. It says, all the people saw this, and they began to grumble, mutter. He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. You see, all the religious people didn't like who Jesus was going to associate with. Because remember, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And in this culture, tax collectors robbed people. They would rob from people to make themselves rich. They were the jerks of society. People hated tax collectors. And all the religious people were muttering and grumbling. How could Jesus hang out with that dude? Who does Jesus think he is? Doesn't that sound a lot like the church today? Sometimes I wonder if our greatest spiritual gift is grumbling. Because when we come to church, don't we grumble? And the music was so loud today. Worship team didn't sing the song I wanted them to. Oh, that preacher. Let me tell you about that preacher. We mutter at Jesus. Jesus, how could you bless a sinful person? I'm doing all the right things. I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, and my life is falling apart, and you're blessing evil people, Jesus? We're really good at grumbling as the church. And I think the reason why that is is we forget who we are. We forget what the church is here for. And Jesus teaches us at Caesarea Philippi that the church is not for believers, it is believers. And the church is here for the world. Now before you push back, let me just remind you what makes you a part of the church theologically. You see, many people think, oh, I become part of the church when I take a membership class. Wrong. Many people think, oh, I become part of the church when, you know, I give and I serve and I show up every week. Wrong. So what makes you a part of God's church? It's the moment you place your faith and trust in Jesus. The moment you say to God that he is Lord of your life and he did resurrect from the grave over your sin. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, he becomes your forgiver and your leader. The spirit of God comes and lives in you and God welcomes you into his family. He says, welcome son or daughter. And that is the moment he says, you now are a part of my church. 
Because the church isn't buildings or locations. The church is a movement of people who have been changed by Jesus Christ. And the reason why we've been changed by Jesus Christ is so we can take that light that Jesus provided for us and take it into a dark and hopeless world. The church is here for the world. We are the hope of the world through Jesus and what he accomplished for us. If you don't believe me, listen to the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 19, he says, For the Son of Man, he came to seek and to save the lost. Mark 2, look what he says. He says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Some of Jesus' last words to his church, to his followers, were this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You see, Jesus looks at his followers and said, hey, when I'm gone, take my message to the world. Go tell people about what I accomplished for you. But what's happened over time, we get distracted to the commission God gave us. And what we do is we make the church, God's church, Christ's church, more about you and me than about Christ. And today we have to remember that we gather as the church to equip ourselves, to motivate ourselves to go be the church in our workplaces and in our community Monday through Saturday. But how do we get back to becoming that church? A church that is unstoppable. A church that, that, that can't be stopped. Well, we go back to the original question. Right? Jesus looked at his disciples and he says, who do you say I am? Right? Who is Jesus to you? And so when we think about this series coming to an end, it's really revolved all around that very question. And so as we bring this series to an end, I have two questions for you, two questions that I want you to wrestle with and marinate in your head and your heart for the next couple of weeks. The first one is the obvious. Who is this Jesus to you? How do you define Jesus? And that's a question that only you can answer for yourself. I don't care how old you are or how, how young you are. I don't care if you're a teenager or you're retired. I don't care what background you come from. I don't care what you do for a living or what you look like. Everybody has to wrestle in life with this question. There is no neutral. Who is Jesus to you? How do you define him? Is Jesus just... Some guy who's been labeled in history that we all like to talk about? Is Jesus just some nice fairy tale that, that makes us feel good about our lives? Or is Jesus who he said he was? Is Jesus our forgiver and leader? Is Jesus the, the Messiah, the son of the living God who died in our place for our sins and gives us the victory through his resurrection? 
At some point in your life, you have to answer that question. Who is Jesus? And if you have questions, doubts, or concerns about that, we would love to walk through those, answer any questions you have with the goal, honestly, of introducing you to Jesus. The second question is for those of all of us, many of us, who who know the answer to that question. And my question for you as we wind down this series is, are you living out his movement? Are you living for Christ and what he commissioned over your life? Have you made his church more about you than him? Have you gotten comfortable in your safe and cozy places in life? Or are you carrying the light of the world into the darkness? Are you willing to take risks to share the name of Jesus? Because when Jesus asked this question, Peter looked at him and he declared exactly who he was. And when you know who Jesus is, you will share it with the world. Peter could not stop talking about Jesus. He was a part of the early church. He went everywhere and told people about what Jesus has done. Are you living on mission for Jesus? And if you're not, you might want to go back to question one and really ask the question, do you know who Jesus is? Who is this Jesus? I'll answer the question with the words of Peter. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for this series that has given us a glimpse of who you are. And Father, I pray that you would show us exactly who you are for the person who doesn't know you, that you would open their eyes and their hearts to you. And God, I pray for the majority of us who have declared who you are with our lives, that it would change the way we live, that we would take your message to the world. In Jesus' name.